Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 44. My name's Tyler. I'm here with Matt, and the timer starts now. How you doing, Tyler? Uh, so good. I, I feel a little, like, feisty right now, because we, off air, we just finished a, a discussion about, I don't know how to phrase it, my, my, my problems with, like, popular Christian gatherings, I guess we'll say. I, I basically I was complaining before we hit record so I'm in like a I'm in a feisty mood at the moment <laughs> Tyler was explaining to me the difference between uh Christian worship and a Christian concert yeah and um there is a difference right? I think there's a pretty distinct difference yeah would you say the difference boils down to uh, audience participation I think that's a key part of the difference yeah a key part of it mm-hmm does it have anything to do with the demeanor of the one leading? Um, it could. I mean, I think that the biggest difference is um, whether or not the majority of people are led into a worship experience with God, like mm-hmm. a, a, an experience of, I guess, hanging out with Jesus to channel a, a past podcast. But anyways, none, none of that is what we're uh, talking about this week. Let's get into that sometime, though. You have an ad read? A little deeper. We do. We do have a sponsor um, this week. Um, thank you to the um, the Shakopee Municipal Golf Course is sponsoring episode 44 of the Valley View podcast, Shakopee Municipal Golf Course. Spring is here and golf is back. Call now for tee times and don't miss out. 27 scenic holes await you in beautiful Shakopee, Minnesota. You know, before I moved, this is a parenthetical comment not part of the ad read before i moved to the twin cities i thought it was pronounced shakopee i would hear about valley fair and thought it was in shakopee minnesota yeah that's not right and then i moved here and found out it's um shakopee Mm -hmm. like an electric shock did you know that i did know that i have been to valley fair many times (laughs) back to the ad read um, at the Shakopee Municipal Golf Course, no membership is required, and we have a pro shop on site for the latest clothing and gear. Discounted rates through the end of April. Call 952-999-2760. That's 952-999-2760. Mention this ad and receive a complimentary tea. Wow. So I was Googling the Shakopee golf course, as I often do, as you're reading the ads. Um, I think you had it slightly off. I don't think it's a Shakopee golf course. I think it's Shakopee disc golf course. Um, And it's 18 holes, not 27, but it's close. You know, maybe, maybe they sent some incorrect information from the city of Shakopee, but just, just so the, just so the the listeners know, there is no, uh, there is no Shakopee golf course, but there is a Shakopee disc golf course. Well, what would it mean to receive a complimentary tea at a disc golf course? Would that be like a cup of tea? Nah, well, maybe a cup of tea. I was thinking a slab of concrete. <laughs> okay, they spelled it T-E-E in oh. the ad that they submitted. So um, anyway. We might have to do some more research into this. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem or my question for them would be, I, I thought teas were usually complimentary at golf courses. Usually they yeah, stick typically. like three or four in your golf cart. So just kind of beware listeners that, um, you know, or just know that um, that's kind of a, what, not the most generous gift that might they not be as good of a deal as for they're mentioning this ad as they're mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hopefully it's like t-shirt and they just left off the shirt. But oh, anyway, most likely. 952-999-2760. Shakopee <laughs> Municipal. Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> the pros play here. Wow. I said it like that because I forgot again that it's not pronounced Shakopee. See, I'm still in my old rut. You're still in your old Wisconsin ways. Um, I feel like that might be the last episode that they will sponsor. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think we uh, we may have alienated them with that. Um, it's their own fault. They gave incorrect information, and uh, we're trying to rip the rip the listeners off on teas. Yeah, I was dismissive of their offer and um, pronouncing their name incorrectly the whole time. Yeah. Um, welcome, dear listener. We've got Second Corinthians on tap for you today. Maybe if we get to it. <laughs> I think we will. I think we better today. Um, I would like to. Um, Patty from Wisconsin, longtime listener, friend of the show, mm-hmm. um, contacted us recently via the Instagram page, mm-hmm. which she is, DM'd at Pull Votes Tyler, P O L L Votes Tyler. Feel free to DM. And Patty had the wonderful and insightful recommendation that we do book reviews from time to time. Mm-hmm. So it was a request. Hey, what do you think about reviewing books from time to time? And so Tyler and I uh, vetted that idea um, recently and decided that um, while that idea has a lot of merit and we would love to do that, it's tough for us right now to read the same book at the same time. Here's, here's, then... the, here's the problem, Patty. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I am reading usually eight to 10 books at a time for my job. And so, yeah, Matt and I are never reading the same book. Unless we like are specifically reading it because one of us needs to learn something and we're like working. I don't know. We, we typically are not reading the same books. Yeah. I love the idea though. Like I brought it to Matt immediately. It was like, we should do this. Fantastic idea. So in light of the fact that we're not able to do, you know, regular book reviews right now, we're going to do something special today and talk about our favorite books and plug mm-hmm. some books that we really enjoy yeah. since we're, we can't do the full, full scale book review. Um, in an ongoing way right now. So we're gonna do that. We've each made lists, um, but first I wanted to ask Tyler a question about reading in general. Okay. Do you consider yourself to be a reader? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now in my mind- <laughs> Any follow-up questions? <laughs> I do. In my mind, that means um, someone who at least twice a week is likely to be found in their living room, in a chair, with a light on over their head, with a book open, and they're reading that book because they like reading books. So does that describe your life right now, Tyler? No. (laughs) So maybe I'm not a reader by your definition. (laughs) So tell, tell me then what it means for you to be a reader if it doesn't look like the picture that's in my head of a reader. Uh, by calling myself a reader, I meant that I read a lot and I enjoy it. Do you read a lot because you have to right now or because you enjoy it? And what kind of books are you reading a lot of right now? Yeah, I read a lot because currently the books that I'm reading, I'm reading because I have to. Mm-hmm. I'm in a master's program and a doctoral program and I am a youth pastor. Uh-huh. So I'm reading commentaries for my job. Uh-huh. Um, however, judging by the times in my life where I have not had to read, like where I haven't been reading eight to 10 books a week to, to do my job. Uh-huh. I think I would read on my own more if I didn't have to read for work. 
Um, I say that because in the like six months, six months that I was working here, but not in the uh, graduate program, mm -hmm. I read like, it was like a theology book every two weeks, maybe like I just would buy books and read them because they looked interesting. And even now I have a couple books that I've like just bought on a whim because they looked interesting and haven't been able to read because I just haven't had time amid all my other reading. Um, the, the, re I, the bigger reason though, that I don't read outside of work a whole lot is because I just have a lot of other hobbies that I also enjoy. And especially now that it's, I mean, today is not a good indication. Uh, it's snowing today for those of you listeners, Yeah, but mid April, but spring is coming. Um, so I want to be outside. Mm. So yeah, um, I think the, the best indication, because I didn't really believe that I was a reader. I read a bunch when I was young, like all the time when I was young, like obsessively. And then from like probably fourth grade through college, I didn't read very much at all. And I, I kind of just thought of reading as something that I could do pretty well and did a lot when I was young, but didn't really do anymore. And then during COVID, I read, I think it was like 40 books in like four months or something like that. Oh my. Um, because I started reading Star Wars books. Do you have a particular book or series of books that you would credit with developing a love of reading um, in, in yourself? Um, hmm. Not, not when I was young, like not as like a kid. Uh -huh. When I was a kid, I just kind of read everything I could get my hands on. My parents would probably know better what book got me into reading. Yeah. Um, getting me back into it, yeah, I would attribute uh, the canonical Star Wars like Disney Star Wars books because <laughs> I started reading them during COVID and I'm I was completely caught up a new one came out last week that I have but haven't had time to read yet uh -huh. but I will be completely caught up once I read that book huh. and we dig just a little bit further into your reading habits okay um are there any places that you don't like to read I have a few and then um while you're reading do you like to have the tv on do you like to have a snack candy do you like to have a beverage you just like to be sitting there reading. Um, I don't typically have anything to eat or drink because for me, specifically eating, when I'm eating, I'm thinking about eating. Mm. I think that's why I'm such a fast eater that like, it, it, like, it's like a task. So I'm thinking about the task of eating instead of the other things that I'm doing. Um, as far as the TV, I would say it's about 50-50. It just depends on my mood that evening. Okay. Like, like some evenings I really want to like, have a basketball game on in the background while I read yeah. and some days I don't uh -huh. so I don't think there's any yeah any any sure thing with that for me okay I like to have background stuff going on while I'm reading sure. like nothing super distracting but just something else going on to take away the you know the ambient silence do you like to so, eat while you're reading yeah I like okay. I, I like to eat <laughs> all the time yeah everything's better with a snack right sure okay let's get into uh, our list here so here's what we did we made we each made two lists mm -hmm. Um, our three favorite books in the non-theological category, non-Christian, non-theological books, three favorites. And then we each listed our three favorite um, Christian or theological books. Mm -hmm. right? and, and when we so, say non-Christian, non-theological, we just mean explicitly. Like it can yeah. have Christian themes and still fall into that non-explicitly Christian category. There you go. So Chronicles of Narnia is a good example, right? Mm -hmm. um, Christian themes, but not specifically 
oriented toward the Christian life or theological right. work. So we would put that, for instance, in the you know non-Christian, non-theological, just because it doesn't focus there. It's right. not the intent, right? Okay. I don't know about you. I didn't I didn't order them. Like I don't have like one, two, three. I just kind of wrote down three books. That's okay. We'll forgive you. I, well, I just figured with a sh- with two shorter lists and similar yeah. to the similar to the um, the the board game discussion or the what what did we do? We did another one where I oh movie similar to the the board game or movie discussion. There were some where I kind of just picked like a representative of a type, yeah. and so I didn't really want to. In, in just three of them, it didn't make sense to me to order them one, two, and three Okay, we'll as keep, like representatives. We'll keep that in mind as we hear Tyler's list. These are just his top three in no particular order. Um, why don't you share yours first? And then I'll share mine in the non-Christian, non-theological category. Mm-hmm. And then um, to take it a step further, we each asked ourselves the question, looking at our own list, what does it say about me that this that these are my top three. Like yeah. what, what does that tell me about myself that I listed these three books? Okay. So let's hear, uh, let's hear your three books, Tyler. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you want my Christian or not explicitly Christian ones first? We'll start in the not explicitly Christian category first. Okay. And again, these are in no particular order. Um, so one of them is Narnia. It is the voyage of the Don Treader, mm. which is my favorite Narnia book. Um, it's my favorite because it's an adventure. Um, it's, it's just so fun to read. I mean, it, it just really connects with the, the thing that I enjoy in reading, which is like traveling from place to place and discovering something new in each place. And there's a little bit of mystery, but it's not, it's not so intense that it like throws me off. I don't know. Like there are books that I read where I'm like, this, this book is like keeping me up at night. I don't like books that keep me up at night. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just like a simpleton that just wants easy things, but I like The Voyage of the Don Treader because I can read it and be like, yep, this is really good and entertaining and interesting, and then go to sleep. The Voyage of the Don Treader has one of my favorite Narnia moments uh, in it. and that's, Can I guess? Yeah, sure. Is it Reaper Cheap going over the edge? Yeah, yeah, yep. it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, that must just be a moment that grabs everybody's imagination and heart. It might right? be my dad's favorite moment, too. We should ask yeah. him. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> he... He either told me about that moment before I read it or asked me about it after I read it. It's yeah. like it's or used it as an, as a teaching illustration at some point. It's yeah. it's a really good moment. Was that a spoiler? Uh, if you haven't read The Voyage of the Don Shredder, which is a 50-year-old or 60-year-old book, a mouse goes over a waterfall. <laughs> There's your spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, what's number two? Uh, well, no, not number two, but a second one. Okay. Um, this one is the Star Wars representative, and this this might not age well. Um, so my Star Wars book representative is called The Fallen Star. Um, it is it takes place two hundred years before Episode One, um, so it's very old in in the Star Wars universe. Um, and the reason I say it might not age well is that I just finished it about a month ago, and it's currently my favorite Star Wars book recency bias and that's the problem is that there are so many books that when i finish them i put them in my top five i have never had a book displace my previous number one book Mm. until now but i i typically will have books a lot higher when i first finish them Mm -hmm. than i do a year later looking back but there was something about this book that was so like just captivating like i read it's it's a 400 plus page book and i read it in like one night 
like it, it was, it was just so good. And I maybe going against what I just said about how I don't need intensity. It, it really was captivating because there were so many people dying, <laughs> which, which doesn't really happen. Like, it, especially in star Wars where everything is a prequel to something and you see a character, like, you know, if Yoda's in the book and it's before star Wars episode six, you know, Yoda's making it out of the book, but this book, I think because it's 200 years before they have so many characters that, you know, are, you know, they could die. It's fair game. And a lot of them did die and it was still surprising. Um, like they, they were killing off characters that were like a really big deal in the past five books. So I assumed that they would make it to the next five books. Um, so yeah, I won't say any specific names for, for someone like your son who might actually be interested in reading that book. Um, but I really, really liked it. It was super, super good. Well, that's quite an endorsement when you can say it's 400 pages and you read it in one night. Yeah. The Fallen Star. It's written by Claudia Gray. Fantastic. Um, who I think wrote like four of my top six favorite Star Wars books. I think she's a really good author. Um, my third explicit or not explicitly Christian book is actually a book from my childhood. Um, it's called Heat, H-E-A-T, Heat. You ever heard of it? No, I haven't. Tell me about Heat. It's written by Mike Lupica. I'm familiar with Mike Lupica, sports writer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's about a baseball player. Um, it's about okay. a, I think, 12-year-old kid who's like a stud pitcher. Uh-huh. Um, but his parents are both, like his, his uh, I think, dad just died. And he's, mm-hmm. he's an immigrant. I don't know. I don't remember if he's illegal or not. It, it's been a while since I read it, but okay. it's all, actually, I don't think it has to do with him being in America. I think it has to do with him, him and his brother not being 18. And if they were found out, then he would be taken away from everything that he knows and loves and cares about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's about him being really good at baseball in spite of, and, and within all that, and then him getting so good at baseball starts to draw more attention to him. So Ooh. So, so they wonder, yeah. So they right? wonder, like, oh, is our our child protective service is going to come for him because he's so good at baseball? Does he need to give up baseball? That's some quality tension there. Right? It's good. Um, I I can't necessarily recommend Mike Lupica as an author, um, specifically because I read Heat when I was like ten or eleven, loved it, and then got another Mike Lupica sports book. And when Mike Lupica is writing a sports book for kids, it's just a normal, you know, like mid-grade middle school kind of book when he's writing a sports book for adults uh the language gets gets ramped up the content gets ramped up it's definitely a book that's 18 plus so i recommend heat wholeheartedly i don't necessarily recommend other writings by mike lupica (laughs) thank you for that clarification now let's hear let's hear the answer to the question as you look at that list so we've got voyage of the dawn treader fallen star Mm -hmm. star wars book and heat by Mike Lupica. What is it? What do you think it tells you about yourself that those are your top three favorite books? I don't read anything that's not theological right now, except for Star Wars, <laughs> because I read The Voyage of the Don Treader when I was about 12 and Heat when I was about the same age. <laughs> but I but I know this well, about myself that I, I read so much at work mm-hmm. that if I'm going to read something in my free time, mm-hmm. it's going to be something fun. Mm-hmm. And well, not to say that theology isn't fun, but I'm, I want to read something that's that's a shift from what I'm reading during the day. Yeah. Um, and with my schedule, what I have time to read right now is keeping myself caught up on Star Wars. So it's a, it says that I don't read much for fun right now, except for Star Wars. It's good to be self-aware. Um, Matt, I don't think we're getting to Second Corinthians today. 
You know, um, it's it looks like that's true. So here's the trade-off we'll make. We'll start with Second Corinthians next time on episode 45. Okay. Okay. And I'm so eager to yeah, talk we'll, about it. Yeah, we'll start with it. We won't finish with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, here are my top three um, in the non, non-Christian, non-theological category. Uh, in, I did put them in order. Okay. Okay. So my, you're a step above me. Yeah. Okay. My, my favorite book, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. Everybody's probably rolling their eyes right now saying, oh, you know what this is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going <laughs> to no, be. No, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. My favorite book is Moby Dick. Oh, okay. In fact, after I finished reading Moby Dick for the first time, which was only like four years ago, hmm. um, I wasn't sure whether I could ever read another book again, because I felt like anything I could read anything I would read after Moby Dick would not measure up to how good Moby Dick was. How many pages is it? I don't know. It's a lot. It's long, right? It's long. It's that good. I think it's that good. Now, would I like it? I don't know. This is a good review. I'm interested now. Yeah. I am attracted to a style of writing that is very uh, romantic, dramatic, um, big sweeping statements. You just gotta, you just gotta read Melville and read Moby Dick. It's it's very, it's hard for me really to put much more of a description to it than that. I mean, at, at one level, it's just about this um, hunt for this white whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at another level, it's it's very profound because the the chase represents so much about the world and even about God and about human nature. And um, I just love the way that he writes. It's a very long book, but here's something that's really helpful. It's that, a three volume book. No, I mean, all the co- I've got two copies. They're both just one volume okay. about, I don't know, two inches thick, maybe. OK, so but the chapters are really short. OK, OK, that's so, helpful. Yeah, it's very I think that's, that's super helpful. very helpful. I mean, some chapters are like a page and a half okay. or a page. OK. And he also tells you so much about um, the whale hunt. Like he, you get, you learn so much about, about like, hunting whales, hunting whales, and like how they cut a whale up and what they use it for, and like I, you just learn a bunch of stuff that you know you probably weren't expecting to learn. And um, I think it's very interesting. And that's all I'll say. Um, but I thought it was that good that I was despairing of ever reading anything again because i just hope read like three pages and be like oh man i just need to read moby dick again <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> yeah okay um moby dick was written in 1851 i saw that <laughs> okay my second favorite book was written in 1844 and it was by alexander dumas and it's called the count of monte cristo okay have you, have you heard of this book or so seen the movie for our high school listeners mm-hmm. what we're learning is that Matt's favorite books are the ones that you and I were assigned in school <laughs> and either didn't read or hated. <laughs> you know, um, kind of the interesting thing about that is that I may have been assigned some of these in school too and didn't read them, but I read them like after, yeah, afterwards because I wanted to read something quality. Right. And uh, The Count of Monte Cristo is similar to Moby Dick and that it's a pretty long book, but the chapters are pretty short. Hmm. And uh, it's just a really good story. And, yeah. I, and I love the way that it ends. That's my best teaser for The Count of Monte Cristo. It's just got this. How does it end? <laughs> I'm not going to tell our listeners <laughs> and, and ruin it for them. 
that's hopefully they're inspired to to go read the book um so the count of monte cristo and then my the third one is by ernest hemingway who i really enjoy and it's called the sun also rises um it uh in the in the prologue it um uses this verse from ecclesiastes um and then he goes on and writes this book kind of that talks about the whole theme of Ecclesiastes, which is just how everything is in vain mm-hmm. and it's all, you know, kind of a nothingness. Was he a Christian? Hemingway? No, okay. no, he was not. But, but he agreed with that Christian theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what does, what do those books say about you, Matt? I, I have something that I think they say about you, but I want to hear what you say. Okay. Well, I thought it says about me that I am a romantic and I'm dramatic, which is actually very true. Like these are big, sweeping, dramatic, romantic books, not romance in the sense of being like about romance, Yeah, romantic in terms of its outlook on outlook on life. I don't um, see you as a very dramatic person, though. No, not in the you sense. Keep it all that, inside? Or? Not, in, not in the sense of like creating a lot of drama wherever I go. Dramatic in the sense of I love drama. I guess to be fair, you did say that when you finished Moby Dick, you didn't know if you could ever read another book again, which yeah. is pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love I love the collision of things in life and watching what's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, I really like to read about that, and and having an author put me in a really uncomfortable, unsure position, and watching it all play out. Sure. Um, and be, kind of being part of the journey, like you like you talked about. What do you think it says about me that those are my favorite books? You're old. (laughs) Your favorite books are from the 1800s. We should move on to the Christian books, though. We only have like four minutes left. You want to do your your Christian ones first, or do you want me to? Uh, Let's go back to Tyler. Tell us about your favorite Christian books. All right. So my favorite Christian books that I wrote down, um, I have two by the same author. So it's acceptable and it's C.S. Lewis. So three of the six books that I wrote down are all by C.S. Lewis. Um, my C.S. Lewis books are the first one is mere Christianity, which I love because I love the way that C.S. Lewis talks, or at least the way that he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool that in like 150 pages, he gives like reasoning for Christianity that just mm-hmm. makes is like very intuitive, but not things that I had thought of before I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one by C.S. Lewis is called Screwtape Letters, um, which is two demons writing to each other. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's like C.S. Lewis exploring what the demonic world, like how they see the world and humans and, and what to do. Like, it's not like, it's not a, like a, a inspired authoritative view like we could get to heaven and screw tape letters could be really wrong but it's a really interesting take on what the demonic world might be functioning like um and then the third one is uh it's called letters from a skeptic have you heard of it yeah i have heard of it so it's written I by know, i don't think i've read it yeah so my dad had me read this book when i was like 10 um it's written by greg boyd whose theology the efca would not endorse um and there are there is one page in letters from a skeptic that at 10 years old, I noticed and disagreed with and mentioned to my dad. And he said, yep, I disagree with that too. Um, but aside from that one page, it's so solid. I mean, it's, it's Greg Boyd going like writing back and writing letters back and forth with his dad, who wasn't a Christian. Mm. Um, 
and his dad ends up becoming a Christian. And it's like years of letters between him and his dad about Christianity. It's, it's so like, it's just very, very good. I think I'd like to read that book. You yeah. got a copy? Um, my dad does. Okay. And, uh, and you can see if you notice the one page that I noticed at 10 years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are my lists. Uh, I think what my Christian list says about me is also just that I don't read a lot outside of my job <laughs> because none of my, you know, books that I read for school are good and helpful, uh-huh. but I'm not going to say that like a theology textbook is my favorite book, most likely. Mm-hmm. So my favorite books are ones that I like grew up on. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what it says. Maybe, maybe that I'm um, nostalgic Yeah. because like five of my six books I haven't read in, or I, I read for the first time 10 or 15 years ago. And I'm only 24. I think uh, you said half of your books were written by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I really think that uh, C.S. Lewis could make reading a, a recipe for bread interesting. That's true. You know, when you read Lewis, and in my experience, you really, part of the joy is just seeing the way that he puts words and phrases together. Yeah. He could be writing about content that is not very interesting at all, but the way that he says it um, is wonderful. Yeah. That's why I think there's such a big difference between seeing the Chronicles of Narnia movies and actually reading the books. I forgot to mention that. The Voyage (laughs) of the Dawn Treader is the worst movie ever. It's so bad. I am not the kind of person that says like, oh, the movies are never as good. The books are always better. I don't feel like that. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader movie is pitiful compared to the book. Don't watch the movie. Anyways, you have uh, 30 seconds left. What are your uh, three favorite Christian books? What do you think about the movie, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? I hate it so much. I, it's just it's just a waste of two hours. <laughs> My top three favorite um, Christian books, um, pretty quickly. Uh, number one is The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay. Sometimes it's just titled Discipleship. Um, in, a, in the original German, it was just the one word title, Discipleship. Um, I won't say a lot about these, but I would encourage um, our listeners uh, to, to pick up any of these. So The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer, uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, mm, which good. we may have mentioned before. Um, that one's quite short, um, very accessible, and um, very inspiring and beautiful. And then number three is kind of a specialized book, but it's a book called Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lloyd-Jones, hmm. um, one, of the, one of the great preachers um, in the Protestant tradition. Uh, he's um, been gone. He's, he's not living anymore, but he dives into lots of interesting details related to what it means uh, to be a preacher hmm. and what you're actually doing while you're preaching. Hmm. And his main interest is really clarifying all those attitudes and activities related to the preaching task, which we may not spend, and most people probably don't spend any time thinking about, mm-hmm. like, what is this man doing while he's up there? Yeah. <laughs> Our, what should he be thinking about? What is he actually doing? And Martin Lloyd-Jones was trained as a doctor, and mm-hmm. so he cuts down to these small details yeah. in a way that I find very interesting, because this is what I do for a living, And but I think he writes in such a way that it would be interesting, even to people that have just been listening to preaching for a long time. Are The Pursuit of God and The Holiness of God different books? Yes. Okay. So all of your authors are dead. Yes. Because Tozer and Bonhoeffer are both dead. 
and your other books are from the 1800s. So yeah, all of your authors are dead. <laughs> what is what does that say about you, Matt? What does your theology list say about you? And then we got to wrap up. All of my favorite authors are dead. That's true. Well, here's what I thought it said about me. Um, this particular list says that I'm an idealist and comfortable being on the outside and holding to a high and romantic but real view of God, Christ, and ministry. Hmm. Um, guys like Bonhoeffer, Tozer, and Martin Lloyd-Jones weren't concerned about being accepted by the establishment. They were just driven by this stunningly high view of God and their own calling and ran like crazy toward that goal, no matter what anyone else was saying. And the good part of that is that lives like that can be very inspiring. The downside is that sometimes um, people like that can be stubborn and not listen ah. to counsel that maybe they should take. True. And so I, I think I see both those things in myself that it reveals both my passion for what I would like to be and probably a bit of my weakness too. And um, you always have to guard against having a just an outsider or rebellious streak just to be con contrarian. Yeah. You know, so anyway. I think that our, um, I think that our assessments of ourselves like line up with like it's very meta, but you using all your like like long words, like calling yourself an idealist and a romanticist mm -hmm. really fits in with being an idealist and a romanticist. <laughs> Whereas I was like, I don't know, I don't read that much. Like, I don't know. Like it just it kind of fit what we were saying about ourselves. Um, anyways. That's good. Do you feel like we have violated a sacred trust with our listeners by going uh four minutes over? I was gonna say that. We went too long, but I don't know how we thought we would get to Second Corinthians today were pastors talking about books mm. like obviously good, good that was going to go long yeah yeah um okay. but next week yeah you're right we'll start with second corinthians so that we get it in for sure yeah we're also getting something special cooked up for the mother's day week edition of the valley mm -hmm. podcast maybe so. next week we'll talk about um the difference between worship and a christian concert i would love that in the meantime go go golf in uh shakopee yeah have a great week everybody